Hello and welcome to This Is Your FBI from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This Is Your FBI. This Is Your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. If you are worried about money, if your problem is providing for your children's education, owning your own home, security for your family if something happened to you, then get acquainted with the man who can help you most, your local Equitable Society agent. You'll never do yourself or your family a bigger favor. In about 14 minutes, I'd like to tell you more about Equitable Society representatives and how they may help you provide for your future security and enjoy the advantages of membership in the Equitable Society. Tonight... The subject of our FBI file, Interstate Transportation of Gambling Devices. Its title, Jackpot. In connection with tonight's case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, we bring you a statement from FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. I quote, the experience of your FBI in observing the growth of crime in the Prohibition era, its sharp decline in the mid-30s, and now its gradual rise convinces me of one thing. Crime is basically a problem to be met and solved on the local level. In facing this task, one fact is certain. In those communities where public opinion is enlightened and aroused, crime is at a minimum. In such communities, crime has not become entrenched does not enjoy unholy alliances with those in public office, and it is unable to secure recruits from the usual incubators of crime, the honky-tonk saloon, the gambling dive, the cheap pool hall. My experience has also taught me another fact that bears on this subject, and that is invariably true. Local law enforcement in any city is only as effective as the citizens demand. Tonight's FBI file opens in a small Midwestern city near an army base. It is late at night as two men sit playing cards in the steam room of a local club. These cards are murder. What are you, sore winner? No, I mean the way the steam makes them soggy. All right, come on, come on, play a card. Try this for size. Thanks for nothing. You know how a guy could make a jillion dollars? Make cards you could use in the steam room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Here's another kink. In in. You know, they got cards like this made out of celluloid or something. But they're dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know a guy was sitting in a bass last year in New York. He's playing pinochle. He gets a lay down 400 in spades. He leans over to pick up the bias. He that touches the card. The poor bum not only gets a third degree burn, he don't collect on the duke. Uh-huh. Hey. Huh? Look who's in the locker room. The new DA. Oh, he ain't a member here. Hi. 
Is he coming in here with his clothes on? We're in the middle of a game. All right, all right. Come on, bring the score. We'll finish outside. Now, don't forget you're on two blitzes. I know, I know. Go ahead. Walsh, get dressed. What for? We're going to my office. I want to question you. Hey, Steve, grab a towel for me. Oh, yeah, here, catch. You mind letting me in on what this is about? You were warned not to let soldiers gamble in your place. What gamble? You've been listening at the wrong keyholes. I, I run a saloon. We raided your back room tonight. Besides your books, we seized slot machines, chips, and dice. You use them for serving drinks? That the kind of questions you want to ask me? Yes. We'll get to the others at the office. And Harper, you better call Bradley. Why? He may not know about the raid yet. You trying to tie him into my place? No, of course not. I know a public-spirited citizen like Martin Bradley wouldn't own a saloon where soldiers get rolled and a gambling room where they get clipped for their pay. Now, why should I call him? Because he's so public-spirited. I'll get it. I thought he might be interested in finding out I've started to clean up Union City. Come in. Oh, hello, Steve. Uh, Mr. B, that new D.A. snagged Frank. Yes, so I understand. Who told you? One of the elevator boys at City Hall phoned. Did he tell you the D.A. knocked off the back room? No, but I assumed that when the watchman at the city warehouse called. He said the slot machines arrived. Why does this D.A. want to make so much trouble? He's young, Steve. He said to tell you he's cleaning up the town. Don't take it seriously. A lot of men are reformers. Until you find out what their price is. I'll have a talk with him tomorrow. Yeah, how about the machines? I've made arrangements for them. What's the name of the man who owns a small moving company on the north side? North side? Uh... Uh, the one who stuck a couple of thousand to the dice table. Oh, uh, Dan Douglas? Yes. Call him tonight. Tell him his account is wiped clean after he drives to the city warehouse at 1.30. The watchman will show him where our machines are. Well, he'll do it for less than two Gs. <laughs> Steve, never look for a bargain in life preservers. Have Douglas deliver the machines to Harry Chester's place in Freeport. Uh, okay to use a phone here? Yes, when you're finished, call Frank's apartment. If he's back from the DA's, I'll talk to him. Good morning, Mr. Campbell. Oh, hello, Bradley. May I sit down? Certainly. Thank you. Well, I see you've redecorated the office. You've come to talk about that or my raid last night on the key club. <laughs> don't be impatient, son. I don't have much time. Yes, that's true. Filling out the unexpired term means that you'll have to run in the November election. I can understand you wanting to get a reputation quickly. Oh, I'm sure you do. The people of Union City seem to want a reform district attorney. I think it's a fine idea myself. Well, I'm glad we agree on one thing. As we get to know each other better, you'll find that we agree on many things. Are you suggesting something? No one was ever corrupted by listening. Go on. You can be a very successful reformer by raiding one place a week with photographers at your side. Would you pick that one place a week? If you like. Then you admit you run them all. I haven't admitted anything. I've only offered to help you try to clean up the city. And what would you like in return? Let the rest stay open. You do own them all, don't you? Well, for the sake of discussion, assume that I do. There's nothing wrong in it. 
I've never taught anyone to drink or gamble. You think that excuses you? I'm not looking for an excuse. For some people, drinking and gambling are biological necessities. A man who supplies those things is as important to the community as... as a doctor. In the next few months, I'm going to prove you're wrong. How? By closing every place I find breaking the law. Meanwhile, at the FBI field office in the large nearby city, Special Agent Jim Taylor approaches the desk of Agent Tommy Morgan. Tommy, the SAC just put us on a case together. Oh, what kind, Jim? Interstate transportation of gambling devices. First one of those I've worked on. Ah, same here. State police raided a gambling house in Freeport this morning, seized four slot machines. These are the serial numbers. Here's your copy. Oh, thanks. The machines were seized while they were still in their crates. The spare parts were wrapped in yesterday's Union City Journal. Oh. Mm-hmm. Our problem is to find out who took them across the state line. Who owns the gambling house in Freeport? A man named Harry Chester. Wouldn't he be suspect number one? Yeah, ordinarily, but from what he told the state police, he can account for every minute of the last 48 hours. And if he's telling the truth, he hasn't been out of Freeport. I see. The SAC suggested that you go there and look into Chester's alibi. You going to Union City? Yeah. If you want me, check with the district attorney's office. Campbell? That's right. My name is Jim Taylor, sir, the FBI. Oh, nice to meet you. Thank you. My office was supposed to call you. Yes, they did. And I've got the records you wanted. Oh, that's fine. The slot machines found in Freeport have the same serial numbers as four I seized here last night. Seized here? Yes, at a place called the Key Club. Oh. It was stolen from the city warehouse during the night, crated and taken to Freeport. And you have no idea who stole them? No. The watchman says he fell asleep around midnight, and when he awoke, the machines were gone. Very convenient nap. Many conveniences happen in this town if they help a man named Martin Bradley. Martin Bradley, who's he? An ex-bootlegger who's become the political and gambling boss here. Well? Two of his old henchmen work for him, Frank Walsh and Steve Harper. Walsh operates the gambling places. I see. Officially, Bradley has no connection with them. They're all owned by a dummy corporation named the Acme Company. Because of the political situation, nobody's ever tried to prove that Bradley is the Acme Company. You think he stole the machines? No, but there's no doubt in my mind that he had it done. Hmm. Where can I find this, Bradley? He has an office in the palace building. You going over to see him? Maybe, but uh, first I'd like to go over whatever records you have. Sit anywhere, Mr. Taylor. Thank you. I came over to ask you a few questions. (laughs) Well, go right ahead. District Attorney Campbell told me he raided a local gambling casino called the Key Club last night. Yes, I saw that in the paper. Well, Mr. Bradley, he's under the impression that the Acme Company, which owns the club, is uh, really you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sorry for Campbell. He's looking for a dragon to slay. Unfortunately, the supply here is very limited. The State Bureau of Records lists a man named Paul Crane as owner of the Acme Company. You know him? No. Hmm. Well, I should tell you I've requested a photostat of the Acme Company's papers of incorporation. What for? So our laboratory can compare the signature of Paul Crane with a few others, including yours. Now, Mr. Taylor, assume you find the signature of Paul Crane is my handwriting. That would indicate I own the key club, correct? That's right. 
The district attorney says soldiers were drinking and gambling at the club. Suppose they were. Here are men defending our country and our very lives. Aren't they entitled to have a last fling before they go to war? No one's entitled to break the law. I hope you won't be insulted, Mr. Taylor. But that not only isn't true, it's un-American. Oh? In what way? In a democracy, the wishes of the people should be respected. They didn't like prohibition, so they drank. They don't like the blue-nosed laws here, so they violate them. And they're better off doing it where the games are honest than getting cheated in an alley crap game. Well, there's really no point now discussing this, because gambling in Union City is strictly a local law enforcement problem. I agree thoroughly. I'm here to investigate the transportation of four slot machines from Union City to Freeport. Moving gambling devices or causing them to be moved across a state line violates a federal statute. And how does that concern me? The slot machines found in Freeport are the same ones that the district attorney seized at the key club. Now, somebody moved them across the state line. My job is to find that somebody. Well, I wish I could help you. You have any idea at all how they got to Freeport? Well, according to the paper, the district attorney placed them in the city warehouse. Why not ask him? Thank you. Well, leaving so soon, Mr. Taylor? Unless there's something you can tell me. Yeah, well, I'll walk to the door with you. Are you staying in Union City very long? Well, that's hard to say. Well, if you've got the time, maybe we can have another chat. Huh? Yes, we'll do that. Goodbye. Bye, Mr. Bradley. Get hold of Frank. Have him meet me at the club right away. Sit down, Frank. You too, Steve. I had a visit a little while ago from an FBI man. We violated the federal law shipping those machines to Freeport. How do they know we shipped them? They don't. That's why I called this meeting. When Dan Douglas delivered those slot machines to Harry Chester, I told Chester to give him a blank check. I had Douglas type up the check, and then to make it look more official, I used the check writer here at the club to fill in the amount. Uh Now, as you know, I usually run the business, so everything depends on me. This time, though, we're all depending on an outsider, on Douglas. Don't worry about him. He won't talk. But I want him to. Huh? One of the reasons for my success is that I never overmatch myself. We can't fight the FBI, so we're joining them. They want to know who shipped those machines to Freeport. Yeah, but if Douglas talks... Unless he loses his nerve, he'll explain about picking up the slot machines at the city warehouse, taking them to Harry Chester, and then delivering Chester's check to his partner. The district attorney. We will return in just a moment to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. But now here's a message from Mr. John Farnell, a member of the Equitable Society for six years. Mr. Farnell... Will you tell our audience what decided you to become a member of the Equitable Society? Mr. Keating, I was listening to this program, and I heard about a life insurance plan that sounded like what I needed. So I called up my local Equitable Society representative and asked him to drop in and tell me more. Well, I did myself and my family a big favor when I called him. He was friendly, he was helpful, 
and he knew the answers. That's a good description of equitable society men everywhere. Friendly, helpful, and they know the answers. Matter of fact, Mr. Keating, that meeting did turn into a friendship, and he's one of my best friends today. He saved me a lot of worry over the years. Well, that's what equitable men are for. Most people worry about money. If they do, they need a plan. And the men who have the plans are your equitable society representatives. You see, providing answers to life insurance problems is what every equitable man is trained to do. Life insurance is his career. He studies all kinds of life insurance plans. He knows the facts. He knows the advantages of every type of equitable society life insurance. And back of him is a staff of highly trained experts in the Equitable Society's home office. Actuaries, technicians, economists. So, no matter what your life insurance problem may be, your Equitable Society representative will help you construct a sound plan to meet it. If you want to take the uncertainty out of tomorrow and assure yourself peace of mind today, get acquainted with your local Equitable Society agent. You'll be glad you did. Consult your local telephone directory for his name. Or write to Equitable Society, care of this station. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to tonight's FBI file, Jackpot. The gambling problem must be viewed as a phase of the entire crime picture. Organized gambling is a vicious evil. It corrupts our youth and blights the lives of adults. It also becomes the springboard for other crimes. Embezzlement, robbery, even murder. However, like any other crime, it can be controlled. It can be eliminated within 48 hours in any community in the country if the local anti-gambling laws are earnestly and vigorously enforced. If this problem exists in your community and you want to help rid your city of crime, join other decent citizens. Make the fight with them. And you will find that an aroused public opinion acting on a local level through local law enforcement agencies will wipe out this menace. What your police need is not more laws, but your backing to do the job with the tools at hand. Tonight's file continues at the FBI field office. Tommy, we've got to take another trip. Where to this time? Freeport and Union City again. The case is broken open. Oh, what happened? The Union City police got an anonymous tip this morning. They arrested a truck operator named Dan Douglas on charges of stealing the slot machines from the city warehouse. Oh. He gave the police a full confession and named the district attorney as his employer. Campbell? Yeah. Douglas claims he got a check from the man in Freeport for $3,000 and, as per instructions... Turned it over to the D.A. Has anybody seen that check? Well, I don't know. Oh, Douglas also said he got a traffic ticket in Freeport night before last while he was delivering the machines. Well, we can certainly find out whether he's telling the truth about that. Yeah. You spoken to the D.A.? No, not yet. But if you'll cover the uh, Freeport angle, re-interview the boss of that gambling casino, I'll handle the Union City end. <laughs> Did you see the late paint? Yeah, I figured while the room's closed, we might as well clean it up. Oh, Frank, nobody comes here because of the way the place looks. As you know, I'm not cheap, but why spend money without a guaranteed return? <laughs> this is for free. Yeah, see that wall? That part of the job's a hard way ten one of the painters didn't make. Yeah, they were on our books for a couple of hundred, so I'm letting them work it out. Ah. Uh, have you boys seen the late paper? 
Yeah. yeah. That's a good picture of Campbell. I'm glad now that FBI man came to see me. I bet Douglas ain't so glad. I checked that interstate law. The most he can get is two years and a fine. Being a first offender, he'll probably be given a suspended sentence. I hope I'm that lucky on Friday. Frank, without those slot machines as evidence, there's no case against you. What do you think the DA will draw? He's ruined politically, so let him go free. Come in. Oh, hello, Campbell. I asked you over to the hotel here because I thought it'd be a little more private than your office. I don't have an office. Oh? A few minutes after you called, I was informed that I'm on involuntary leave of absence till after the grand jury hearing Friday. Well, Have you seen anyone else since you got here? The uh, truck driver and the bookkeeper at the bank. Hmm. I'm just writing a report now on the interviews. Douglas, repeat the same lies he told the police? Well, his statement was the same. You don't think I'm guilty, too, do you? Well, as you know, it makes no difference what a special agent thinks about a case. We are prohibited from making any recommendations or drawing any conclusions in our reports. All we can include are facts. What facts could you have gotten from Douglas? Well, he told me he gave you a check of Harry Chester's for $3,000. That's a lie. Your account at the bank shows a deposit of that amount made by a check drawn on a Freeport bank. I never deposited that money. But anybody else could have put it into my account or yours. Did you see the deposit slip? Yes, it was tight. Tell me, why should Douglas try to implicate you? Bradley's behind it. Douglas owes him a lot of money. Oh, can you prove that? Yes. When I raided the key club, I not only seized gambling equipment, I took their books and files. I remember the name Dan Douglas among the debtors. Mm -hmm. Where are those records now? In my office, but I can't get them. Well, maybe I can get a court order to examine them. That's possible. Have you checked Douglas' story over in Freeport? Another agent's doing that. I see. Well, Taylor, whatever happens, I'd like to thank you for one thing. You're the only person in Union City who's looking for facts, not headlines. Tommy. Hi, Jim. Hi. What'd you find out in Freeport? Well, everything over there adds up just as Douglas says. Harry Chester gave me permission to examine his bank account records, yeah. and I saw the microfilm of his canceled checks. The one deposited to Campbell's account is cleared. You see the endorsement? No. No, they only photographed the face of each check. Oh. I also saw the Freeport traffic records. Douglas got a ticket the other night and paid a $15 fine. Mm-hmm. Come on, our, our car's out that door. Yeah. Jim, everything over there was a little too easy. Oh, how do you mean, Tommy? Well, Chester not only gave me permission to go through his bank account records, but he answered every question. The day before yesterday, he barely admitted what his name and address were. And take that check. The word cash was typed in. The amount was inserted with the check writer. So? That was the only one of Harry Chester's checks not completely handwritten. Hmm. Well, we've got one court order to request in the morning. Maybe we'd better ask for a few more, see if any of the suspects owns a check writer. Jim, here's the microfilm on the key club checks. Good. Put it on the projector, will you? There. That's tight. Okay. Looks like the same check writer as the Freeport check. Well, the laboratory can tell us for sure. Here comes our report now, Tommy. 
He club checks employed same check-writing machine as specimens submitted from Freeport account. That ties Frank Walsh into the case. Add report word cash on Freeport check written with same typewriter employed on Campbell's deposit slip. Now let's try looking for that typewriter. Tommy, look at this letter. It's from the key club files. Uh, Dear Frank, you'll have to wait for that $2,000. I just haven't got it now. Dan Douglas. Now, look at the W and the D there. Yeah. Could be the same typewriter. I think we'd better re-interview Mr. Douglas. Well, if it isn't Mr. Campbell. Yeah, didn't he used to be the D.A.? Steve, don't gloat. Can't you see? The poor man's not feeling very well. What do you want, Bradley? I stopped to tell you Walsh's trial was over. Pretty quick, wasn't it? I assume from your smiles the verdict was not guilty. There was no verdict. There wasn't even tried. Really, Mr. Campbell, you should know there can't be a case without any evidence. Yeah, come by the club tonight. We're having a big party. Oh, thanks. I don't suppose you'll feel much like partying after you get through in there. That is the grand jury room, isn't it? You've testified enough to know. I'm sorry to see you take it this way, Captain. Pardon me, Bradley. Ah, hello there, Mr. Taylor. I've just been to city jail re-interviewing Dan Douglas. Who? Dan Douglas, the truck driver who took those slot machines over to Freeport. Oh, yes, yes. He gave us a full confession? That news was in the paper the other day. Oh, he repudiated that first confession. This time he told us the real story. Taylor, is that true? yes. And these papers are warrants for the arrest of Bradley here and his two partners. Tried and convicted in federal court, Bradley was fined and sentenced to a prison term. Walsh and Harper also received prison sentences. The arrest of the trio who had tried to frame District Attorney Campbell was announced to the grand jury when it met. As a result, the expected indictment was never voted, and Campbell resumed office. The later conviction of Martin Bradley, Frank Walsh, and Steve Harper helped clean up the gambling situation in Union City. However, Union City is a small dot on a big map of the United States. Gambling still thrives in many other communities. If you live in one of them, and you'd like to see it wiped out, don't lean back and expect George to do it. The police can't fight entrenched criminal machines without your help. In November, most of you will go to the polling places. Study the qualifications and backgrounds of candidates for public office in order to unmask the crook and aid the self-sacrificing honest man in public service. Here, party lines cannot exist. By making an effort first, then voting intelligently, you can help democracy live. Did you ever stop to realize that the surest way to remove the major worry in American life, money, is by life insurance? So why not discuss your money problems with a man who can help you most? Get acquainted with your local Equitable Society agent. Without any obligation to you, he will be glad to explain how Equitable can give you the dollars and cents answers to your problems and how to plan for future security and peace of mind. Simply consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local representative of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. (laughs) 
Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, auto theft. Its title, The Respectable Felon. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Bill Conrad, Ted DeCorsia, Dick Crenna, Sheldon Leonard, and John Stevenson. This is Your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The respectable felon on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next. This program came to you from Hollywood.